0: and accelerate your success. Welcome to the Beyond Barriers podcast. I'm Monica Marquez, your host for today's episode. Are you ready for a career change, but have no idea what else you could do or where to start? Or perhaps you're between jobs or even just starting out in your career, but you find the whole job search and interview experience to be stressful? Well, today we have a conversation with Jenny Clark, Director of Leadership Staffing at Google, who shares with us her journey as a Black female professional and single mom, navigating through work, life, and managing her own career to becoming an expert executive recruiter. Jenny also shares critical insights on what you need to do to gain clarity on your strengths and how to communicate them to recruiters to differentiate yourself to level up in your career. Visit IAMBeyondBarriers.com where you'll find show notes and links to all resources mentioned in this episode, including the best way to get in touch with Jenny. Welcome, Jenny. Thank you so much for joining the Beyond Barriers podcast. We are thrilled to have you, and we know that our audience will be excited to hear all of the insights you have to share with them today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So let's dive right in. Tell me a little bit about your story, your journey, and kind of what led you into the world of executive recruiting and how you landed at Google?
1: Yeah, it's, it's kind of an interesting story. I went to college. I went to UC Davis to become a veterinarian. And mm-hmm. um, actually, after a couple of quarters, switched to French and linguistics, became very active on campus and when I graduated with this degree, with which I knew nothing, um, what I was gonna—I had no idea what I was going to do with it, um, but because I've been really active on campus, I've been a peer advisor all this time, and I became a recruiter for the University mm-hmm. of California, and then I decided to go off to business school, um, and I picked up and moved to Chicago, a native of California. People were like, are you crazy? Um, best thing I could have ever done. It was a fabulous experience. I loved the program. And I got into, I studied accounting and finance when I got there and I rationalized that accounting is the business, is the language of business. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I studied linguistics and French, it kind of made sense. And what I really didn't have the language for um, and, and fully understand was that I'm a systems thinker and, and that, mm-hmm. and so that's kind of how many years later, that was how I described uh, myself. So mm-hmm. I went into commercial real estate and banking for a number of years And then a pivotal moment, my father died and I questioned everything I was doing Mm -hmm. and said the one thing that had been consistent, and I neglected to mention that I had been gone on site as a recruiter representing, as an interviewer, Mm -hmm. uh, recruiting, representing the companies I'd worked for. And so I thought back, I I kind of, and I wrote a book uh, that Mm -hmm. I I can get to, and in the book I talk about having left breadcrumbs for myself, um, Mm -hmm. because I really thought back to Wow, when I was in college, I loved being an executive recruiter. I loved interviewing people and mm-hmm. assessing them. Um, and so I thought, what would it be like to be a, an executive level recruiter? Mm-hmm. Um, and I started networking. I was always really good at that. And part of it is you tell people what you want, and people open doors, and they always mm-hmm. want to help you if they possibly can. Um, so I ended up at uh, a firm called Spencer Stewart, one of the world's largest search firms. And, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, was there for 12 years, became a partner. Um, It was great. And then I kind of abruptly, rather impulsively decided I wanted to leave and write this book that I've been thinking about for a number of years. (laughs)
0: Right. It's an amazing Um, book, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: So I'll fast forward, uh, got the book written, did some consulting for a number of years, went back to another firm. I was a single mom, wasn't making as much money and Mm -hmm. uh, wanted to get my kid through college. Um, Went back to another firm, that firm sold Mm -hmm. And one of the people that I had worked with there, when we all left, landed at Google. He called me two months in and said, "Um, we need your expertise here. Mm -hmm. And that's how I got here. It was not on my radar at all. Mm -hmm. And I kind of, when they called, I was kind of like, yeah, I heard you've been having some problems with (laughs) diversity. So yeah, I guess I can help you.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. So that's the short answer. That's a quick story.
0: Well, that's amazing. It's the, the power of proximity, right? And the network. So that, Absolutely. I love that. So you, you know, speaking of your book, and, and I'll share the, the title of Career Mapping, Charting Your Course in the New World of Work, which is an mm-hmm. amazing book, and I would recommend to all of our listeners to certainly pick that up. Thank you. You, you talk a little bit about, um, you know, exploring your personal geography and discovering what makes you unique. Um, can you share with the audience in terms of getting that clarity of how does someone discover their unique strengths or their superpower in order to really be able to tell people you know who it is they are and what they do
1: yeah, I think um I think people. Tend to look outside themselves to try to figure that out. They look to mm-hmm. other people to tell them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I think that's their first mistake.
2: Okay. <laughs> um,
1: mm-hmm. um, because if we need to really get clear, and as I described, and, and I hadn't really thought about this, but in the story I was just telling you, mm-hmm. um, you know, I I kind of looked at myself and said, what is it that I've always loved to do? Mm-hmm. And very often, what you love to do is what you're good at. Not always, but often it is. And you know, we didn't come here to suffer. Mm-hmm. And so why shouldn't we be doing what we love? And very often that can mean that you have to kind of push away and sometimes resist what other people might expect of you, which can be really difficult for folks. And I get that for so many different reasons. Mm-hmm. It can be hard. Um, but I think it's critical to, to reflect back on those things that have given you joy, those things that you've excelled at. And I'm talking in any arena, not just a job,
2: mm-hmm. but
1: if you were a swim coach right? Mm -hmm. What what did you love? Did you love the swimming part? Did you love the coaching part? And so pick apart the elements and sort of deconstruct um, those circumstances that you found yourself in where you were thriving, where you felt great. Mm -hmm. And so that's really kind of how I landed this framework in the book around competencies. And it dovetailed beautifully and is the essence of what a recruiter does. We're assessing competencies. Mm -hmm. What are those individual parts and behaviors that, when you put them together, allow someone to perform a series of tasks and responsibilities effectively.
0: That's an excellent, excellent um, <clears throat> answer, and I think extremely um, important for uh, those individuals to understand those competencies. Yeah. And I think it also it, it leads me to another question, and we get this a lot from our audience and some of the women that I've worked with in the past of mm-hmm. – switching lanes in in terms of how do you take those transferable skills or how do you even identify those transferable skills um, in order to close the gap from either a switch in industry, a switch in role. Um, Share a little bit about that of of what you think is the best way for individuals to to do that.
1: Yeah, uh, first of all, I think, you know, it goes to mindset and Mm -hmm. people need to understand and I talk about this in the first chapter in the book, this notion of free agency, Mm -hmm. you know, you, um, I've I've watched so many people get locked into doing one thing
2: Mm.
1: and, and they don't understand that, that they are a free agent who needs to own this process. And and if I can divert for just a second and Mm -hmm. talk about why I wrote the book, Mm -hmm. so many people came to me as an executive recruiter and said, you're going to find me a job. And I'd say, actually, <laughs> that's not what I do. I I always try to set people's expectations. Right. I really always want to over-deliver, uh, under-promise and over-deliver. And so they'd say, I'd say, you know, I help companies find people. I don't find people jobs. Okay, okay, but I want you to help me find this job. And it's like, okay, you're not listening. Um, and then I thought about it more, and it wasn't mm-hmm. that I, I, I always want to help people, but I the model wasn't going to serve them well, and moreover, they shouldn't, Want they shouldn't put that on me. You don't delegate that. This is your life. Mm -hmm. And search firms and any kind of an agency is only going to be working on a very limited number of opportunities. So why would you put all your eggs in one basket? Or even a few baskets when there's the whole world out there? There are companies that are doing their own recruiting. Mm -hmm. So that was really the genesis for writing this book and saying, let me show you what I've learned. And I really took the principles around how one conducts an executive search and overlaid it onto how an individual should really be thinking about their career and not just for a job hunt, a discrete hunt for, you know, if someone's mm-hmm. not working, but how they should think about the entirety of their career and do this process over and over again. And the first step is not writing a resume. It is, mm-hmm. <laughs> it is in yeah. fact, um, <laughs> what you're alluding to, which is that what what are the what's in my basket? What do I what do I have to offer? Where's my mm-hmm. value? Where's the intrinsic value of what I'm bringing into a situation? And that's where I came up with this framework. Again, that's where I realized I was a systems thinker, right? Mm-hmm. And going all the way back to studying French and linguistics and conjugating verbs, there, there's a, there's a lot more um, similarity there than you might imagine, <laughs> right. um, where if you can deconstruct the elements of what you did. So if you were a I don't know if you're a product manager somewhere or an analyst. Mm-hmm. What what did that entail? That entailed being organized. It entailed analytical ability. It entailed some communication skills. It involved an ability to to flex and be um, nimble and you know. So so that's those are the things that I want someone to be able to say about themselves. And then you build this narrative mm-hmm. of. This is what I'm good at, and then the onus is on you to convince somebody that you can do it. And I've unwittingly been able to doing that unwittingly then, early in my career, right. uh, very purposefully, deliberately now after all these decades. But um, mm-hmm. really helping and, and the joy that I get in the work that I do now is helping people um, begin to see how the the just the multitude of competencies that they have and how they can deconstruct them and reapply them into a different context mm-hmm. and when they when you do that you see people realize how many more choices that they have it's empowering it's mm-hmm. really gratifying
0: yes absolutely and it it makes me think too you know i would say i struggled with this as well of not really as you said undervaluing maybe some of my my strengths because Mm -hmm. they came so effortlessly and so you you think oh well that's that's something that comes to me very naturally i didn't really think of it as being a a core competency that someone or an organization would really value Mm -hmm. um so in in that i also then struggled with limiting beliefs or fears of when i did have opportunities to present myself of Can I really do that? Can I make that leap? Um, So, can you share with me where you were working for an organization, and then you started your own business, and then you went back into kind of the corporate world? Did you struggle with any fears, limiting beliefs? How did you get over those?
1: Yeah, we all do, and I think especially women. I have Mm -hmm. to say, I'm gonna put it out there um, for so many reasons. We don't need to do a whole anthropological social (laughs) analysis. I think we understand why where a lot of it comes from. But I'll start with, and I'm so glad that you brought this point up about, I thought everybody knew this. Mm-hmm. I spent so many years thinking that I'm smart, but isn't everybody? Right. I, I, you know, <laughs> within the realm of, in the corporate world, you kind of do make assumptions. And then you realize, I'm not just good. I'm damn good. Right. right? Mm-hmm. and 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 then but even that becomes tempered if you if other people don't want to give you that their props because they're threatened by you. I mean there are all these dynamics that can undermine. Mm-hmm. And so the the whole so much of what I talk about has to do with you being really deeply in touch with yourself and mm-hmm. really really loving yourself and not beating yourself up but bolstering yourself up to say just like I said, I am damn good at what I do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, exactly. um, mm-hmm. but I think it also requires that. Um, I, I guess that what I'm re- really referring to is self awareness mm-hmm. um, and courage, and courage isn't the absence of fear. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are there are going to we're going to walk into uncertain situations where there is outright fear, right? And just because something's uncertain doesn't mean you have to have fear. By the way, it, mm-hmm. you know. So part of Growing up, I think, means dealing, learning to deal with this ambiguity, the uncertainty. That's, that's actually a competency we assess for at Google. It's, does this person thrive in ambiguity? Right. Um, so you can't be so rigid and risk averse
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: because that will limit you. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm really glad you brought that one up because what I've had to do is Push through some fears. You know, when I decided to to leave this big search firm as a partner mm-hmm. um, and spend time with my then teenage son and and write a book, that was a bold move. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have a whole lot of backstop. My parents were, were deceased. Uh, you know, I was single. Mm-hmm. Um, I had faith in myself. Did I have fear? Yes, mm-hmm. I did. And there and there was doubt. That, um, and, and I can say this now because it was a number of years ago, I'm, I'm more confident now, and it's not, frankly, because of Google. I'm just, I know myself better. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't, I, I think that's why I felt more comfortable going back into a corporate environment after I wasn't getting some of the immediate um, returns that I thought I was owed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you're going to stumble, you will. But you get up and you keep going. And, and I think part of it means that you, you know what you can do. You always believe that you're going to keep growing and getting better. It doesn't matter how old you are. Right. Um, you just push and grow and expand. And that brings new opportunities that you couldn't have even foreseen. So, you know, I can say that now in hindsight. And as I get ready to, you know, think about a next play for myself in the next few years. hmm it's, it's, it's nothing but exciting because I'm, I'm, as time goes on, I'm less and less. I, put, I'm going to put it in these words. I'm more and more fearless. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> that's so inspiring. That's, that's amazing. Given your multitude of experience and, and I'm sure you've probably lost count on how many people that you've actually interviewed, but thinking more specifically about women and even women of color, what are some patterns that you've observed that prevent women from showing up with confidence? Or maybe what are some of those blunders that, that they've um, committed in really kind of owning their success in an interview? Yeah,
1: great question. And um, I, I see it a lot still because I, I run um, the internal ability program at Google for our leaders. Mm-hmm. And even with leaders, mm-hmm. I sometimes see it with some of the female leaders. I think some of the mistakes that women make uh, in interviews and even more broadly in their careers is uh, they don't come in willing to assert and Mm -hmm. say, This is what I'm good at. Mm -hmm. And this is how I do the work that I do. Mm -hmm. Not just, Here's my resume and here's a list of my accomplishments. But let me tell you a story and give you an example of how I was able to achieve those results mm-hmm. and to be able to get granular enough for me to, to walk away saying, yeah, I, I, I believe she can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, just, we just don't want to give enough. I have been in interviews where I've had to like pry information out of somebody. It's like, why are you, <laughs> why are you resisting me? <laughs> I'm trying right. to help you here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, give me an example I, I really want to hear stories. And I think storytelling is an art that more of us need to um, to embrace. Mm-hmm. And I think it can be a great way, too, of um, mitigating a tendency for people to feel very self-conscious and as though they were being self-promoting.
0: Mm-hmm. And in
1: many cultures, um, it's it's totally inappropriate for you to talk about yourself in a positive light.
0: Absolutely. Right? There's yes. this whole mm-hmm.
1: self-deprecation, whether it's European cultures, Asian cultures, mm-hmm. Latin cultures. I mean, there are a lot of cultures where that's, I mean, I grew up, humility was a really important thing in my mm-hmm. family. Um, and and I had to learn kind of the hard way that you better speak up. Mm-hmm. As my father told me, tell people what you want. And similarly, tell them what you've done and how you do it. Mm-hmm. So I really... Um, it saddens me sometimes when I see women who just don't have the confidence. The other nuance here that I've noticed is um, that I think women tend to think that things are a meritocracy and that Mm -hmm. if we do good grades, have good grades, do good job at work, um, you know, play by the rules, then we'll get noticed. And no, that's not, it's just not true.
2: Mm -hmm. There's
0: a whole nother set of rules in the game that you better (laughs) master. (laughs)
2: exactly
0: (laughs) exactly those unspoken rules of self-promotion and Mm -hmm. and which is difficult because there is an art to it where you don't want to be boastful but you do need to tell your story and I and I love how you framed it of being a storyteller um where it's intriguing and someone wants to listen to the story opposed to it feeling like you're bragging that's right big difference absolutely um Given you know, one working at Google and then just thinking about the future of work and how all of the digital disruption is going on in the workplace, and thinking about how skills research is showing that skill sets or or particular skills are becoming outdated at a fascinating pace in terms of in some cases obsolete after eighteen months. Mm-hmm. Um, what would your advice be for women professionals around? thinking about some of these skill sets and even raising their hand for stretch opportunities where maybe there's a slight gap, but it's maybe within their reach. What advice would you give women in terms of taking on opportunities where maybe they don't check all the boxes on a job description?
1: Men do it. (laughs) (laughs) Without hesitation, Mm -hmm. men are doing it. We, you know, this is where that A student syndrome and, oh, I have to be perfect and I have to have a hundred percent of the experiences before I'm going to raise my hand, mm-hmm. better get on out there. And that's where the confidence comes. And that's where some of the networking feels like an archaic term, mm-hmm. but um, relationships, building relationships comes in at work. Mm-hmm. I was just on a call with one of my colleagues. He He's, uh, I don't work directly with him. Mm-hmm. Some of my recruiters support him, and we mm-hmm. were just catching up because we just recruited him. I want to be supportive of him. He wants to be supportive of me. Right. He has information I can use, and sim- And so we we have a new f- friendship, professional relationship built on trust. Mm-hmm. Those are the kinds of relationships that you absolutely have to have because those are the kinds of people that can give you insight and information. Mm-hmm. Um, that can can even sponsor you and say that thing that. And, and say something when you're not in the room mm-hmm. uh, based on their experience. You don't have to ask them to do it. So it, getting back to your question, um, to me, it, it, it goes back to understanding what those skill sets and competencies are mm-hmm. and being able to say, because job descriptions tend to be written in, well, these are responsibilities and these are requirements that we have and mm-hmm. the experience that we're seeking. And I believe that the competencies trump experience, because mm-hmm. I always say this, you and I both know people who have a lot of experience who are not competent in certain yes. areas,
2: right? <laughs> yes, and people so.
1: always laugh when I say it because someone mm-hmm. popped in your mind. Oh, yes. So given that, um, you really should be in a position to say, listen, hiring manager, you're looking for this kind of experience. I don't have that exactly, but I want to say that I'm 80% there because I've had, I have demonstrated these competencies in a different context that's related. Mm-hmm. And I might have done this other thing over here, mm-hmm. that is even more closely related. So when you put the component parts together, I'm actually adding up to about ninety five percent of what you want. Mm-hmm. So you've got to be your own advocate in these kinds of circumstances. And when it comes to the whole digital world,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, if there's new technology, go on out there and learn it on your own time. Mm-hmm. There's so much. There's so many opportunities. Um, so don't sit around and wait and say, "Well, you know, I don't know." i I've, I've known some. Um, um executive assistants who mm-hmm. have said, I'm gonna go learn this this tech, this technical information and get this particular certification or degree because I wanna I wanna keep moving. Mm-hmm. And they've done it. Um and so I don't I think the sky is the limit. The important piece becomes a couple things, especially as you move into to more senior ranks,
2: mm-hmm.
1: having just the technical knowledge won't be enough.
2: Mm. Right. You
1: need to know how to not only manage, but lead. Mm-hmm. And those are different skill sets. Um, and so those, again, need to be demonstrated, cultivated, learned, understood. Um, I think women tend to make, and there are, tr- of, of course, exceptions. Mm-hmm. We, we have the capacity to be incredible leaders mm-hmm. because we have empathy we know how to manage a lot of different demands. I think, in, you know, as a single mom, mm-hmm. I certainly learned how to do that. Yes. Really, really organized. Um, I, I know how to tap in and give people room. I actually, as, as a mother, I feel as though I learned a lot of things um, that serve me in good stead when I'm managing my team and even leading them. The leadership mm-hmm. comes from more of that systems thinking and being able to look up. Mm-hmm. and see what the organization is doing and then saying okay how can my bring my team in to address these business needs mm-hmm. so that's to me sort of the intersection of management and leadership and you need to cultivate those skills and be able to mm-hmm. if you don't have them get them ask for the opportunity because certain things like managing
2: mm-hmm.
1: you're that you you might have done it if you were a manager in a in a retail store. Talk about that. You know, when you were in college, Mm -hmm. talk about those managerial capabilities. You might be working in a completely different function now, but talk about those things so that there's evidence of the fact that, because now it's not just what did you study in school, the technical stuff, it's Mm -hmm. the how are you interacting in the world and driving change and adding value to a situation.
0: That is so important. And you talked a little bit about being the single mother and managing competing priorities between personal and professional goals, what advice would you give um, our listeners in terms of setting those boundaries and even asking for what you need? Um, How did you handle that throughout your career? Um, Well, it's interesting.
1: When I I got to Spencer Stewart, my son was one. Mm -hmm. And a month after I started, my mother died. Mm. And six months later, I asked my husband for a divorce. And so in my first mm. year, I, I had three of the most you know, challenging um, circumstances that one could ever do. And so that, that made me um, do two things. One, mm-hmm. it, it drove me to a place of deep faith and, yes. and really developing a spiritual practice. Mm-hmm. Um, to fortify that side because there weren't going to be enough hours in the day to get everything done. And then I had a community. I built a community around myself. I was mm-hmm. in Chicago. I mm-hmm. wasn't born or raised there, but I had been there long enough to have people that I could rely upon to um, support me and my son when I needed. I'm very independent, mm-hmm. um, sometimes to a fault. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> But I'm also very, very organized. And so I, I figured out a way to make it work. And I told my, my boss at work, um, I'll get in the office closer to 8 or 8.30. A mm-hmm. lot of the men would arrive at uh, you know, 6, 6.30. Some mm-hmm. of them got there that early because they wanted to beat the traffic. They lived in the suburbs. I right. lived in the city. Mm-hmm. And um, I was up at four o'clock in the morning. I was often working at mm-hmm. five at my home office but I had to wait until the babysitter, the nanny got there. Mm-hmm. And so I set the expectation. This is when you're going to see me. It doesn't mean that I'm doing less work, mm-hmm. uh, but I need you to understand what my circumstances are. And I brought my son in from time to time.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: I mean, every two or three months, it wasn't a regular thing and he didn't, you know, he, he did go running up and down the halls a little bit, but um, <laughs> as he got older, I wanted, I wanted mm-hmm. them. And I was the only black woman in the entire Chicago office. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted them to see, what a little black child looked like.
2: (laughs) (laughs) A a black child
1: Mm -hmm. of a, you know, of a professional woman. Um and and so I made it work. It so there were days when I was dog tired. Mm -hmm. Dog tired. And and didn't think I could do any more. I'll never forget once my son had scarlet fever. Mm -hmm. And it was in the winter and I had to take him to the University of Chicago Hospital emergency room. And you know I got home at five in the morning. And there's snow everywhere, and I had to park my car and get him upstairs. And I just uh-huh. was like, I, I like prayed to my deceased mother. I'm like, uh-huh. mom, give me, give me the strength. Mm-hmm. And and you know, you find it, you find it because it, it, this our our sex, our gender is mm. is the the toughest gender <laughs> I think on the on the planet. I don't care what what animal species you are. I believe <laughs> uh, so too. <laughs> we give birth, and uh, I think that. Um, by definition means that we've got resilience that sometimes I don't think we even appreciate.
0: Well, I first want to say, thank you. And lots of (laughs) gratitude for pioneering it and leading by example, right? Having the courage to lead by example. And like you said, set those boundaries, ask for what you need and be that example for other women in the office to say Mm -hmm. like, you can, you can, you know, do it all. You just need, you know, you need to kind of forge your own path in a way and and ask for what you need. And I think that was a beautiful story. So thank you for Mm -hmm. sharing that. Yeah.
1: Can I add one other thing to that, a little postscript? And that is, I have to be honest and say, there were times when I was extremely resentful. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just being honest right. here. Mm-hmm. Um, I was resentful of the fact that these guys didn't, you know, they, they, they didn't, yes. they rolled out of bed, somebody made the bed, somebody made their lunch, mm-hmm. took the kids to work, and they just kind of showed up at work. And, and I, I really had to check myself on that thinking mm-hmm. and say, look, I came into this world Um, in this form for a reason. Mm -hmm. I made choices that brought me to this place and I'm going to make the best of it. And me directing energy toward that resentment is Mm -hmm. pretty silly. Right. I could use that energy to fortify me. Mm. So um, just, just a thought.
0: No, that's extremely powerful. And it's true because you spend so much time and energy um, it's wasted time and energy. That's so right. I love how you redirected it to yourself and and you know used it to, uh, you know, point to your north star and say how can I use this energy elsewhere, make it more resourceful. Exactly, um, that's wonderful. You touched on how important community was and um, really leveraging um, your network or your community. Uh, of colleagues and mentors, sponsors to accelerate your success. I've talked to women about it. They, you know, it's almost kind of like networking to them is a dirty word um, Mm. where they feel like they don't want to ask for help. Um, Mm. What do you, what is your response to that?
1: Don't be stupid. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Yes. Um, Seriously. um, Asking for help doesn't mean you're weak. And Mm -hmm. I I think not in the least. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, yeah, I'm a giver mm-hmm. um, and I've had to learn how to receive. And I think that was part of the journey in having taken on so much. Um, I, I had to ask for help. Mm-hmm. Um, it's amazing how how many people want to help you. Um, and again, if you're telling people what you if you're sharing your vision sometimes, mm mm-hmm. It's amazing how the universe will conspire to bring you what you need. Sometimes you don't even have to ask for it. Right. That's what I've observed. Um, the older I get, the more I see that. And, and it just it's self-fulfilling, meaning if I become really clear and deliberate about something, mm-hmm. um, I end up manifesting that because my vision is so clear. I'm so determined. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to back away from it. Um, I can see it. I'm bringing it into my reality. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's a lot of what I did. Um, meanwhile, in terms of community and networking, it was very natural for me. And as a recruiter, I needed to be out meeting people. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, was, I made myself available to others, uh, especially women. And I continue to do that at Google. I have office hours and I invariably get once a month and I invariably get a lot of young women Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some men, but a lot of young women <laughs> mm-hmm. want to come and talk to me about virtually everything from relationships to, you know, just with the career stuff and and all of it, just navigating. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I think part of my, one of my ethos is, you know, give to get. Mm-hmm. Give something to someone else, even if you don't think you have it, um, you often do. Just offer. Someone gives you their time. Hey, what can I ever do for you? Mm -hmm. You know? Um, so yeah, that's, that's my advice and build that because that's part of the community. That's what, that's the, before the industrial age when we Mm -hmm. were all just bartering, right? Right. Mm -hmm. That's, that's how we operated was a very efficient system because there was, there was trust and there was benevolence and there was sharing. And I think if we operate from a position of abundance Mm -hmm. versus scarcity, then there's more for all of us
0: that is absolutely profound and i love how you talk more about giving to get but then learning how to receive i struggled with that a lot in terms of receiving i was always wanting to help or fix problems um but just being humble and receiving and there was a sponsor of mine who said listen It's almost offensive that you won't accept my help. I learned really hard that it's like, okay, I I need to learn how to receive because in some cases you may be dismissing someone's act of kindness. So so learning how to receive was so important.
1: And the corollary there is when you become when you go into management, Mm -hmm. you can't do the other person's job. This is what I'm finding with some of the members of my team who Mm -hmm. are now leaders. They're they're managers themselves. Mm -hmm. And I have to remind them. You're doing their work. Stop it. Mm, that's stay so out of the room and let them <laughs> fall, let them stumble. And that's why I was saying, you know, as a mother, I had to let my son fall down
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, so that he could understand. You you can't do everything. You can't fix everything. And 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 as women, we have that tendency to want to do it at work and at home. Mm-hmm. And you will kill yourself, and you're inhibiting the growth and development of others around you by doing that.
0: Mm. That's so, so insightful. Yeah. Can you share with our, our, our audience and our listeners, just given the way that work is changing right now, the future of work, all of the uh, disruption that's going on, uh, the gig economy, people wanting more flexibility, working from home, et cetera. Mm-hmm. What would you say is the key to continuing to accelerate your success in this day and age of disruption and, and digital age?
1: Um, I think communication becomes absolutely essential mm.
2: um,
1: because it, we're not even face-to-face that much at Google. I'm Most of my meetings are on video conference, GVC, mm-hmm. Google video conference, right. hangouts. Mm-hmm. Um, and so being able to communicate, whether it's, you know, you have the visual, which is not the best substitute for physical presence mm-hmm. face-to-face. It's not, mm-hmm. it, but it's adequate. Um, but written communication and oh my god we have, we are just going so far away from writing well and expressing ourselves well you know mm. we're in this this texting um instagram 140 <laughs> character <laughs> yes. um, world and it's it's dreadful again going back to someone who is a linguist who loves language and words mm-hmm. and the meaning of words and the purity and the energy the words carry um it saddens me but i think one way to stand out is to be a really good writer mm-hmm. and communicate effectively it do, I'm not saying you have to write a book, but I am mm-hmm. saying you know how to compose an email that makes okay. sense right um, that has deductive reasoning to it or inductive reasoning depending on which what point in, and who your audience is mm-hmm. um, you should be able to um, have a conversation and and drive meetings and organize your thoughts in a way that are really additive and structured. Um, those seem like little things, and but I can tell you that not everybody does them well. Mm-hmm. And I think the higher up you go in an organization and um, the more important those things are. The ability to communicate not just to an individual across the table or in, on the screen, mm-hmm. um, but to larger and larger groups of people you know, communication becomes the key. I mean, how many meetings have you sat in where you're just ready to go to sleep because they're not <laughs> saying anything new? Right. Um, you know, there, there's you're listening to this monotone thing. Um, mm-hmm. I have staff meetings and I'm always making it so that other members of my team are presenting. It's mm-hmm. not just me. Mm-hmm. And I've consulted all of them to get the content. And I'm always really super intentional about if we don't need this meeting, let's not have it. If we don't have something that's gonna be additive to the day, to the month, to the year for every single one of the people in the meeting, Mm -hmm. let's not do it, cancel it, it's okay. Mm -hmm. So using time effectively, communicating effectively, being clear about what priorities there are out there um, that relate to the business to me, those are just some of those really basic skills that I think can actually set people apart.
0: That is critical information. One thing that did pop in my my mind when you said you are constantly on virtual hangouts, Google, yeah. you know, videos, I remember those days fondly at, at being at <laughs> Google. Um, <clears throat> can you give our audience some advice on these video digital interviews that may be happening? Because sometimes it is much harder to um, convey kind of that, gravitas or that presence sometimes um, that you don't see when you meet someone in person. What advice would you give if our audience has a um, video interview coming up with a big, with a big organization? Uh, Do a test run. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm serious. Um,
1: (laughs) Know know what you look like, Mm -hmm. you know, know what your environment is around you. Mm -hmm. Um, Don't try to just steal away in a corner and have people walking behind you. Mm. Um, so be thoughtful about your environment that you're, that you're going to be doing this in. And then in terms of really trying to, to really make an impression, I think you've got, to, you've got to have clarity. You have got to run this as though you were in person. Mm-hmm. You can't assume because this could be your one shot.
0: Right. Okay.
1: Um, so I always tell people go in with three to five points that you want everybody to know. Mm -hmm. So whether you have one interview or 10 interviews with the same company, everybody will have heard the same three to five things. Mm -hmm. And you also need to learn how to take over an interview if you're not able to convey some of those things.
2: Mm. So
1: if it's that, if it's a half hour long interview and the person might not be a skilled interviewer and they're rambling and they're (laughs) chewing up your time, Uh you can respectfully stop them and say, Hey, listen, listen, you know, I um, there are some things that I, I wanted to ask some questions, but there's some also a couple of things that I wanted you to know about me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so I would I would love it if I could. And usually people are like, oh, I'm sorry, you know, I didn't I didn't realize I was talking too much. Mm-hmm. Um, so be real crisp and clear about what you want to tell them about you, not mm-hmm. just sit there and respond to questions also do and do a mock interview with friends so that you you know how you're sounding you mm-hmm. know if you're actually responding to the question um sometimes people will ask it you know it's kind of interviewing one one. you don't ask yes no questions right um, <laughs> but sometimes people do and and so you need to learn how to take that yes or that no answer and extrapolate mm. and really make one of the points that you wanted to make about yourself there's a real art to interviewing so watch a lot of videos on YouTube mm-hmm. and get good at it, but get comfortable, practice it, have that, that pitch, that narrative, um, have it down so that you can pull from it. Right. Mm-hmm. The resume is just the resume. Um, your ability to really talk about yourself in a compelling way. And you, and you don't have to be, let me just say this, cause I know some introverts mm-hmm. and people who aren't as um, animated Try to bring a little extra energy because when you're on video, it can be really hard for someone who might be a little bit more reserved. Project Mm -hmm. your voice just a little bit more.
2: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: Those are just some of the fine things. But again, if if you've got somebody, a friend, maybe just using their camera to to do a mock interview with you um, can help you tweak some of those things that you do come across as interested and motivated. Those things are almost as important as the content and your relevance to the role.
0: Thank you, Jenny. That was golden advice. We get that question all the time of I keep getting these video interviews and I just can't get past them, but I think people are forgetting their surroundings. And they are. Um, I think what you just shared with them is going to help them crack the code on that. So thank Excellent. you very much.
1: I hope so. Yeah.
0: So Jenny, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, share your pearls of wisdom here with us on Beyond Barriers a podcast. And I'm sure that our audience is probably itching to know uh, the best way for them to get in, con- in connection and contact with you. Um, yeah. So how, how does someone get in contact with you? And um, is there anything else you want to share with them before we wrap up?
1: Sure. Thank you. And I'm really grateful for the opportunity. I, um, I have not activated my website, but I have the Clark.com mm-hmm. uh, domain. So my website will be up in the next few months. Awesome. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. That's probably the best way. I've been there for years. I have thousands of contacts, but I do read my inbox. Mm -hmm. Um, My only request would be, please don't ask me to find you a job at Google. Uh, (laughs) Uh (laughs) I get that a lot, and I I, I don't have the bandwidth to do that. Um, Right. Mm -hmm. um, But happy to stay connected and, you know, offer whatever insights I can. Mm -hmm. Um, I am working on a podcast and hope yes. to have it out in the next uh, couple of months. And so I will be broadcasting that on LinkedIn and other social media, Instagram, Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, so be on the lookout for that. And it's Jenny Clark with an E on the mm-hmm. end. So um, please reach out and connect with me. I will, I will look forward to it and, and you know, hope to hear from some folks.
0: Well, we are super excited to hear about your podcast and we will certainly be um, sharing that with our entire audience once you, do you. launch. So, And uh, I'll do the same, right? I'll
1: reciprocate. <laughs> once mine is up, we will, we will support each other's podcast.
0: Absolutely. You have uh, your number one fans here. So thank you again for all of the time and for sharing um, your personal stories, your insights. And um, we couldn't be more appreciative of it. Thank you so it's much. It's
1: been a pleasure, Monica. Thank you so much
0: Share your comments and topic suggestions on IamBeyondBarriers.com and we'll be sure to address them in future episodes. If you enjoyed our show today, please subscribe and rate the podcast or just tell a friend about it. See you next episode.